Blog Talk Radio. Paleo Hebrew. 
And welcome to the show, man. I'm your brother, your host, your friend, as always. I'm joined once again by my wife, Hasadai, in the building. Hello. And, uh, man, hope everybody is doing well. Hope everybody is healthy. Hope everybody had a great weekend, uh, a great Sabbath. Um, and shout, shout out, man, to the 12 tribes worldwide. Man, an exciting time that we are living in this day and age. I love it. I love it, man. I'm trying to speak very loudly this morning because my cousin hit me up and told me that when he goes back and listens to the uh, broadcast, I am very low. He said, I can hear your wife. He said, but you low. <laughs> so uh, anybody else having that same issue, man, please hit me up and let me know. Uh, I want everything that uh, we go over here at Blog Talk to be um, loud and uh, clear, man, so everybody can hear and understand what's going on. Uh, the Waterman Shop is hooking up the broadcast. He sent out the link to the show, man, the water eye. He sent it out in abundance. Um, and like it says on the description, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or whatnot, please um, hit me up. Uh, I'll answer your questions. You can hit me up directly at area code 314-482-9110. Thanks, Devin. I got your text. Glad you can hear me loud and clear because... Okay. Um, that was actually y'all. Uh, want to send shouts out, uh, shouts out to uh, brother schools here in San Antonio, Texas, uh, VA, Virginia, uh, Houston, Rochester. Shouts out to Kyle Cobb down in Guatemala. Uh, we are all under the umbrella known as ISBHPK, Israelite Biblical History and Practical Knowledge, man. Uh, so without further ado, let's get started, y'all. I got a lot of information that I want to cover this morning, uh, current events as well. So let's go to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this is the prayer, man. We need to be sending up on a daily so we can get the hell up out of here, man, especially, especially now we see what's going on, man. Israel is waking up, uh, hopefully in abundance, man, so we can get Israel sealed and the return of our Savior, our Messiah, the true reparations, I might add, comes on this earth, man, and removes us from this vile, satanic, Evil-ass place. All right, let's get Psalm chapter 118, verse 24. 
This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So good or bad, happy or sad, the Most High brought you to it. He's going to bring you through it, and you'll come out better on the other side because of it, man. So this is what we have to rationalize and practice on a daily since we, unfortunately, are still here in this effed up place. All right. So uh, a lot of current events, a lot of stuff going on in the news, man, and I know that y'all have heard about it. If you haven't, you've been hiding on the rock. Uh, but I covered a little bit, touched a little bit on it last week. And I want to, first of all, do this. I want to set the record straight. I want to send out an apology to Ye because last week I mentioned how him and Kyrie could be helping in different ways by opening up schools. And I did notice, y'all, but I found this out over the weekend. So read this article right here, House of I. From the New York Post, not so open and shut. Yay's school reopens hours after abrupt close. I didn't know this. The brother actually does have a school. So read the headlines again. Not, tell them where you're reading from. New York, from the New York Post. Not so open and shut. Yay's school reopens hours after abrupt close, reported October 27, 2022. So his school did not close because the original um, article that I saw said that his school was closing. All right, go ahead. Kanye West Christian Prep School said it's set to reopen, quote, with a vengeance, just hours after announcing it would shudder amid fallout over the rapper's anti-Semitic rant. Parents and staff at the little-known Donda Academy in California's Simi Valley reportedly got the... Now, I got to give you half credit on this one, bro. The reason I say half credit is because, first of all, is a Christian school. I mean, it's a religious school. And you're just waking up and coming to the knowledge of who you are. I don't expect you to know everything yet, brother. But if this broadcast finds its ways to your ear, the most high never gave religion. Christianity is a white supremacist demonic religion. That's first and foremost. Secondly, where's the school? Is it Simi Valley? In the the valley, in Cali, y'all. Come on, I. Can we get some schools in the hoods where they're actually needed? Uh, Parents and staff at the little-known Donda Academy in California's Simi Valley reportedly got the change of plan letter late Wednesday, just four hours after they were told the school would close Thursday and remain shut for the rest of the year. Quote, join us tomorrow in worship for the return of Donda Academy, end quote, said the letter, obtained by TMZ. With the help of our parents and community, we are back and returning with a vengeance. The children of Donda are going to change the world, the letter went on. Apologies for the late email. See you bright and early. The principal of the private school, which charges $15,000 a year, has sent a letter earlier in the night. What? $15,000? Mm-hmm. Does that's the tuition. For real? All right. I've read enough of this article. <laughs> you got more? Something interesting? Go ahead. Read. Keep reading. Saying there's no school tomorrow, the Times of London reported. At the discretion of our founder, Donda Academy will close for the remainder of the 2022-23 school year, effective immediately, Principal Jason Angel wrote. 
He said the shutdown wasn't permanent and that the school, which requires parents to sign non-disclosure agreements, was planning to open its doors in September 2023. West posted on Instagram Thursday after the news of reopening and shared a screenshot of rapper 50 Cent's profile with a fake camera. Right, that's, that's, that's so anyway, the only reason I pretty much brought this article out is to make that apology. But at the same time, man, to get everybody that didn't know that he had this uh, situation uh, going on, yeah, I ain't on with it. Had this situation going on in the first place, uh, but you see the level that he's on. It's like um, I don't run, blame the, the brothers for trying to get paid, but you're trying to do a good thing, but at the same time you're trying to get paid, dude. Um, like I said, you just come into the knowledge, you find out that you are a Jew, but you got a Christian school going. And like I said, once again, the Most High never gave religion. Religion was man-made. If you didn't know, then you should know that. And go back and do your research. But why not open up something based off of what you've been coming out with, that the true uh, Jews are the black people? Why, why don't you come out with that and open up a school based on that foundation? Like I said, I don't know where you are in your learning. But you need to get to a school and be thoroughly educated so you cannot just open this school up for so-called blacks, but so-called Native Americans, so-called Latinos that are scattered throughout the globe, man, who collectively we know uh, through historical records are the Israelites, man. All right, so that's all I got on yay. Um, Let's go to the Chappelle article now. Let's get that one. I don't know if y'all caught this, because uh, I didn't catch it, because I don't watch uh, Saturday Night Live. But apparently he was hosting Saturday Night Live uh, last Saturday. And, uh, man, I caught the stand-up. It was funny as hell. Very clever dude. Very clever the way he put it. But uh, they, he's been catching backlash for coming out. So here it is right here. Reported on page 6.com uh, as of November 14, 2022. Dave Chappelle switched SNL monologue between rehearsal and live show. No, I didn't know this either. So he switched his original monologue. <laughs> Read on. Dave Chappelle did a fake Saturday Night Live monologue during the show's dress rehearsal, sources said, and then switched his material for the live show. A source told Page Six, Dave does a fake monologue during the dress rehearsal because he doesn't want SNL creator Lauren Michaels or anyone else to know what his real monologue is. The source added that Chappelle made a joke during the dress rehearsal about a writer who refused to work with him on the show. Dave Chappelle switched his monologue between the SNL rehearsal and live show we hear. We previously reported that some staff writers were so furious that the comedy superstar who's made transphobic and homophobic jokes in his past comedy shows was chosen to host that they were sitting out the episode. <laughs> so... Uh, I think it's safe to assume that the, the, the writer, whoever this was, that he had jokes about was uh, one of those letter people. <laughs> that is funny, man. Anyway, go ahead. Chappelle's rep previously told us there was nothing to suggest there was any boycott when Chappelle and his team attended SNL writers' meetings last week. But an insider told Page Six that the joke Chappelle made about the objecting writer during the rehearsal, caused tensions to flare. Either way, the comedian then switched up his monologue for the actual NBC Live show. 
The live 15-minute monologue, however, caused even more controversy for other reasons. Chappelle was blasted by the Anti-Defamation League for popularizing anti-Semitism with his jokes. Now, the Anti-Defamation League, if y'all remember, I went over this last week, and I brought up the article that they had written concerning what they call black Hebrew Israelites and showing how they they have infiltrated <laughs> us as a whole. And I brought out the uh, the book, uh, Who is Esau, Who is Edom, which in that book, the author explains how the Jews own the Anti-Defamation League, and they came up with it and how they're against hate. <laughs> Those same people coming against Chappelle and basically just proving the point that he said, because one of the jokes he had on the show was, he said, I've been in Hollywood. And he said, it's not far-fetched to assume that the Jewish people run Hollywood. He said, but it's crazy to say it out loud. (laughs) Anyway, you know. Oh, let's see here. Chappelle... Okay, Chappelle last hosted SNL in 2020 before Netflix released his 2021 special, The Closer, in quotations. I love that, that special, too, by the way. He was going in. <laughs> Read on. In quotations, I denounce anti-Semitism in all its forms and stand with my friends in the Jewish community. Now, this is what he said during his monologue. Read. Chappelle said in his opening, and that Kanye is, and that Kanye is how you buy yourself some time. He added, referring to West's recent anti-Semitic rant. <laughs> Chappelle's focus. He said, "That's how you buy yourself some time. You come out, you make peace with them first, so they can back up off. You buy yourself some time, so you can decide your next move." Man, this dude is, is hilarious, man. Uh, a court jester <laughs> that he is. He is hilarious. Chappelle's focus on the topic didn't stop there. He also touched on net star Kyrie Irving's ban from the NBA team after the basketball star posted links to an anti-Semitic movie. Chappelle also joked about those about tropes involving Jewish executives in Hollywood, Jewish holidays, and other related topics. Jewish activist Rudy Rothman called the Chappelle monologue, quote, a meticulous and calculated move to desensitize the population from anti-Semitism. And he is right. It was meticulous. And what else? Time out. No, no, no. He said meticulous and what? And calculated move. And it was very calculated. It was very clever the way he put it together. He was saying basically what Ye was saying. (laughs) He was saying the exact same thing. He just used it in a comedic way, and he just turned it all around, man. I love it, the way he put it together. And this Edomite is mad because he took a play out of their own damn book. Now, notice, because I've seen the whole or heard the whole monologue, he went on to talk about Trump and the things that he said when he was running for president. None of that is mentioned. But you see how they're vilifying him. By first, they open up with, oh, yeah, he's against the letter people, the LGBT people. Then come, oh, yeah, he's anti-Semitic, which lets you know that some letter people and these these Jewish, these falsified people, one and the same. Matter of fact, let me, let me, let me, what was the word he used? Oh, yes, these nominals. 
learned a new word this weekend. Shouts out to uh, brother, uh, brother Ethan from IUIC. <laughs> Great show you put together too, brother. Anyway, where we at? Time Out New York theater editor Adam Feldman argued, quote, that Dave Chappelle SNL monologue probably did more to normalize anti-Semitism than anything Kanye said. Others defended the comic stance the comic. Stand-up performer Lonnie Love gave Chappelle support by tweeting, the Dave Chappelle monologue on SNL tonight was the classic stand-up he is known for, current events, timely, and funny. Brilliant. So with that, y'all, let's get First Corinthians chapter 1. Damn, this time is flying. First Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to go to uh, verse 26, y'all. Okay. Let me catch up with you. Yeah, that's it. Read. First Corinthians 1 and 26. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. So Paul is telling us, you see your calling, brethren. I mean, man, we know what we're called to do. We know what we call for. We're waking up. Well, some of us are just now waking up. But a lot of us have been in this truth for X amount of years, and we see what the Most High called us for, man, to wake up our people. First of all, find out who we are as a people, then to wake up our people and to work on our imperfections until Christ comes back and delivers us from this place. But it says not many wise men after the flesh. Ain't, ain't none of us, well, none of us no damn um, anything to brag about, man. Ain't one none of us coming from high society or coming from uh, positions of power. That's why he says not, how that not many wise men after the flesh. It wasn't given to them. It says not many mighty, not many noble are called, not many. It didn't say any, but not many. Read on. Verse 27. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world. But the Most High has chosen what? The foolish things of the world. Like Dave Chappelle, a comedian. <laughs> foolish comedian. Read. To confound the wise. To, to confound, to confuse the wise. Well, I don't know exactly what, I don't know how to take the, his stand-up. Was he insulting us? Was he agreeing with Kyrie? Was he defending? It's like they don't know. <laughs> they can't figure it out. It left, it left people scratching their head. But you can't say anything about those people, good or bad, without them calling you anti-Semitic because they're so damn fragile. Once again, shouts out to uh, Robin D'Angelo. If you haven't read her book, White Fragility, I advise you, pick it up. I, I was going to read some, but I can't find my book, man. I don't know where my book is. So White Fragility, if you haven't read the book, please pick it up. She makes some very on-point points in her book about how fragile white people are when you start talking about them and the stuff that they've done. All right, so read this again. Verse 27. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world. The to... weak things of the world. 
you know, like a basketball player. Shut up and dribble, nigga. <laughs> Go play sports, nigga. Why are you getting all political? Ain't that what they told LeBron to shut up and dribble? But remember, LeBron was talking about injustice and racial stuff. Black Lives Matter. But he wasn't talking about who the true chosen people of God are. So they didn't hammer him for that. He still kept his shoe deal. Because you can go and fight for any cause, whether it be equality, the letter people, discrimination, uh, unarmed black people getting killed, um, black history, whatever. And they still accept you can still keep your shoe deals and television shows and all that other stuff. But the moment you start speaking facts and truth about who these hopeless black and brown people scattered throughout the Americas are, now you're getting canceled, nigga. Now they're taking shoe deals away. But the Most High has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. The Most High is doing this on purpose, y'all. I hope y'all are seeing them. Watch the Most High work. It's a beautiful thing to see. Read on verse 28. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. So read that again, verse 28. And base things of the world. The base things of the world, man. Who is the lowest of low of all people? Who is the most hated of all people but black and brown people? You talking about some damn anti-Semitism? I brought this out last week. We're Shemitic or Semitic, however you, whichever terminology you want to use. We're those people. We came from Shem, the lineage of Shem, so we can't be anti against ourselves. We are, however, anti-Satanists. <laughs> We're against Satan. We're against lies. We're against fake people. We're against lies. We're for the truth, though. We're the most hated people on the face of the globe, man. And do you hear us always pulling the anti-card? They always, they got that put out the crack of their they butt. Anti, you're anti-semitism. You're, you're hateful. And the phobic, phobias, the phobics. And all the phobics, <laughs> all of them. They pull it out, they tell. We are the most hated people around the world, especially in this country. And you know what's so ironic about it? We're the most patriotic. We fought and died in every war that this country ever had, dating back to the first war, the war of so-called independence from Britain. You know, no taxation without representation. They damn uh, hypocrites. But you got felons who get out of jail, work a job, get a paycheck. So what that mean? They get taxed. They're paying taxes. But they still can't vote. <laughs> what is that but taxation without representation? The same damn thing you went to war over against Britain. And you doing the exact same thing to us that you did that they did to you. 
but you the hero somehow. You're all about the democracy and freedom. My ass. Read on. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. The Most High is orchestrating this, y'all. I hope y'all understand this. Now, let me see the, uh, let me see this real quick. I hope we really uh, get and understand that it is a war going on, man. And we got to be prepared for the war, and we got to pick a side. And I ain't talking about no go get guns and all. This is a spiritual warfare, y'all. I'm going to play this for y'all. To share that with y'all, man. Now we're going into this, and this is what the comedian Linnell uh, came out with here recently. Case in point of what we just heard. Now listen to this. Rapper from East Coast died. I just wanted to go ahead and make a video. Justine did. A rapper from East Coast died. I just wanted to go ahead and make a video about something I have a unique experience in. So I directed a bunch of rappers. People like Gucci Mane, Snoop Dogg, you know, uh, Lil Yachty, the list goes on and on and on, okay? I learned a lot of things, um, and I have left the industry um, largely over my political beliefs, but there is something I want to impart to people and hopefully, you know, 
make some sort of change happen. So I'm a challenge to rappers, and I know some of you still follow me. I know a bunch of the celebrity blogs still follow me from trying to get views from music videos and things like that. So here's the truth. The truth is this. A bunch of young black male rappers keep dying. You know who's not dying? Record executives. The record executives that push for them to continue to make songs and create a culture that is obsessed with death, drugs, and sex. Period. The industry's obsessed with it, but those record executives, they're not dying. Because they don't push this culture on their own people. But they're encouraging you to push it on yours. And they're paying you handsomely to do it. The reality is I know a lot of you. A lot of you are good people. Your family guys. You're not the image that you put out there to the world. Why? Why don't you be the example? Stand up. I challenge you. Be the example. Make music about the culture you want to see. Don't just get online today and talk about how, you know, whenever a rapper makes it, some people take him down. Don't just make those videos. Don't be sad. Don't rest in peace. None of that stuff. Be the change you want to see. Inspire it in your community. Reach out to other rappers and say, we have to stop. You're being used. You've been used for a long time, you know. They created paradigms to make you believe that you're so important and your celebrity status is worth so much, but in truth, you're a pawn in their game and you always have been. Word. The government has wanted to hold down communities of people in different ways through different methods for a very long time. Their method in the black community has been to use entertainment to create a culture obsessed with death, drugs, sex, and money. So that they could create a false paradigm of what happiness and what success really was. And in doing so, they created a world that also made people more dependent on government. And as a result, gave themselves more power. The record executives that push you to do this, to go and continue to profit off the backs of your work, you're in cahoots with the elite. You're in cahoots with the government. They want you to think you're important, but in truth, you're just doing their dirty work for them, so stop. They've empowered you in ways that are real. You have an audience. You have platforms. You have the ability to make change. So go against the grain together. They're more afraid of you all together standing up and creating a new culture that's built around family, faith, freedom, doing the right thing, valuing life than they are of anything else. So I challenge you. Use your power to do the right things. If you continue to do the same thing you've done, more rappers like this are going to die. How many have to die before you change the culture? And let me tell you something else. There's a reason the record labels pay us more to do rap videos. They don't tell you that, do they? Do they tell you that they pay us more to do your videos? Because they do. They do it because they know it's more dangerous. They do it because they know it's more difficult, and they do it because, frankly, there's a lot of money laundering involved. Those labels wash a bunch of money through. We don't do it, but we know the labels are doing it 100%. Okay, they're then taking the money off the top end and used you on a royalty check. Oh, they spent 150000 on this video. Did they? Because we didn't see 150000 Okay, and is it a friend's company? A lot of times that's the case. With insurance companies, they charge us more to insure your videos, and it's because they know the culture that's been created. They know that the only possibility of a music video being shot up is on a rap video, and that's the truth. Culture, you have the power. Your people deserve it. Okay, so thank you.
since y'all don't want to listen to nobody black, maybe you'll listen to somebody white who is telling you to your face that you're being used, that all... So that was off of the the nails uh, YouTube that she had did, man, and whoo, facts, 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 facts. And I looked the dude up. He's a Republican running for office because, remember, he talked about his political uh, views and whatnot. But come to find out, man, the dude, uh, I believe, is Cuban. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, uh, back to what she was saying or what he was saying, man, about us changing the culture, you notice that when Kanye or Ye was talking about uh, Satan, I'm just doing my job. Um, all them damn demonic songs that he made uh, with Jay Z and Rihanna, wasn't nobody tripping. Nobody was saying nothing. But the moment he started talking talking about the Jews is the black people, now they got a problem with him. Now there's an issue. Even when he was making his um, did his little religious albums, Jesus Lord, then he followed up with Donda, they still wasn't tripping. I mean, they was talking about, you know, he he, he out his mind, how he going to church now, whatever. They still weren't tripping and cutting his money off. But the moment he started talking about his people being the true chosen people of God, they had a problem with him. And this, this dude just told us what they want us to do. And that's why when you turn on the radio, that's all you hear is sex, drugs, and money. They want us to stay wicked as hell. They want us to stay uh, programmed. They want us to be as demonic as hell because they know the, 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 the more they defile us, the more they separate us in our relationship that we have with the Most High. They know this, and they buy themselves some time. They buy themselves some time. I want each and every last one of us to understand that all we're waiting on right now is for a significant number of the Most High's children to be sealed, meaning to have this information before Christ orchestrates his return. That's all we're waiting on right now, y'all. That's it. And, of course, matter of fact, let me take that back. We're also waiting on certain biblical prophecies to unfold. All right, so let's get Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, because this is what time we're living in right now. The most high is making everybody pick a side. Ain't no more in the middle. Ain't no more, like Christ said, being lukewarm. Ain't no, ain't no oh, I, I really don't know. I'm siding with these people. I'm sorry. Ain't no more of that. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day. Now, Joshua said this after Moses died, before uh, we came into the promised land. He'd be like, man, look, if this seems evil to y'all to serve the Most High, then you choose up right now. Make your decision. No different than now. If this seems evil for you to do the law, statutes, and commandments of the Most High, choose up this day, man. Make a decision. Don't be lukewarm. Don't be half an Israelite. You you either all the way in or nothing. You still going to church? You still listen to these church niggas lie to you? 
You still trying to run to the polls and vote? You tripping. It's time to make a choice. Read. Whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood. All the demonic deities. You going to serve all those deities that, these deities that are still alive and well in America that they're serving? Hell, we got one of the biggest ones coming up in Christmas with the worship of Nimrod. You gonna you gonna continue to serve that? Read. Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell? Read. But as for me and my house, at this distance, all of us need to be taken right now. As for me and my house, read. We will serve the Lord. We will serve the Most High, y'all. That's our, where our focus should be right now. Keeping in mind, it ain't popular to serve the Most High. You gonna you gonna be persecuted. You will go through some trials and tribulations. Hell, a lot of us gonna die. The scriptures tell us that. We gotta choose this day what we gonna do. All right, y'all. I'm transitioning over to the class. I got a lot of information to cover, and I don't think I'm gonna get to all of it, but I'm gonna get to most of it. So, last week, and the class in, is entitled "Never Watch Pale." The uh, man, I don't have the full title. But y'all got it. Matter of fact, let me just get it, man. Never Wax Pale, Part 3. False image of Christ and the origin of the falsified people that call themselves Jews. So those are the things we're going to be dealing with in this Part 3 of the class. So last week, we pulled out um, Nature Knows No Color Line. Pages 40 and 41 where it talks about the Christ and how um, the original Christ, Christ himself, gave his description. Did I have to have that book? Oh, hold on for a second, y'all. I wanted to do a recap, man, but not really because I don't have a lot of time. Y'all go back and listen, man. I ain't going to recap that. So let's go to this book here. Um the pillory. And I want to send big special shouts out, man, to my brother, Bayatha Parr. Bayatha Parr, man, house of books. Whew. This brother keeps me on deck with books, man. So I, I bought his book from him. Read the title for him. In the Pillory by John Bond, European correspondent of the Fellowship Forum. Man, I'm glad I got a reader this week, man. I saw all professional now. <laughs> I ain't butchering uh, words up and stuff. Um, let me put this up. Okay. I think I got all I need out of that. Um, put that over there. So let's get page nine. We're going to read page nine first. From the top? Yep. In the pillory, the preface, there is more than one chamber of horrors in the Museum of History, but none like that of the Borgia. Central. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're going to read that again. Mm-hmm. Don't y'all like how she said that, though? The preface. Now, I would have said the preface. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> See the difference, y'all? We all give you an uneducated nigga reader as opposed to somebody educated. <laughs> Anyway, please begin. In the pillory, preface, 
There is more than one chamber of horrors in the Museum of History, but none like that of the Borgia. Now, because the Borgia and his lineage, the Chamber of Horrors, is going to explain who he was, right? The central figure is that of Rodrigo Borgia, who, as Alexander VI, sat on the papal throne for upward of 11 years. So when it talks about papal, y'all talking about the Catholic Church, read on. Around him are grouped his mistresses, a brood of bastard children, a retinue of henchmen, and an endless procession of victims. It was the darkest period in the life of Christianity, just before the dawn of the Reformation. Rome had become a sink of unspeakable corruption, where in the words of Dante, Christ was sold every day. Right. So it's just going over uh, Pope Alexander VI, uh, which is also known as Rodrigo Borgia, going over his history, all right, giving us a little story about his history, his family history. Now let's jump to page 13. Yep, the highlighted part. Okay. The original of this bust was found in the Church of San Salvatore. So we're we're reading the caption from a picture of a bust, and the bust is a depiction of who they call Christ, but we know that's a lie according to the scriptures. But it's talking about this bus. So read it again. The original of this bus was found in the church of San Salvatore in Termis, now destroyed. It is an open secret that Cesare Borgia, the son of Pope Alexander. Now, let me jump in real quick. Cesare, we call him Caesar. I know y'all here probably hear Israelites saying Caesar Borgia. Okay, uh, but Cesare Borgia, that's how you pronounce uh, his name. They did a show uh, years ago, two of them, actually. One was on, what was one of them on? The, one Showtime, I think, and one's HBO. Yeah, one was Showtime, one was HBO. Uh-huh. What was the good one on? I can't remember which one it was on, but it was called, one was, the good one was called Borgia, and you can't find it anywhere. The other one was uh, called The Borgias, which is available on Netflix. The so. good one was called Borgias. You can't find it no more. It's but only in Europe. They only in Europe. And it's, uh, that's a good one. Okay. Yeah. So, and man, shame on me because I never really got into the show um, when it was out. You can't even buy the DVD over you, here. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. You go on, uh, you'll see it's unavailable. Like, yeah, I wish I would have got, got it. I think I've seen like maybe one episode, man. Anyway, read on. It is an open secret that Cesare Borgia, the son of Pope Alexander, had posed for it. Upon so he posed for it. Who posed for it? Cesare Borgia, the son of Pope Alexander. He posed for this depiction of Christ on this bus. Read. Upon the demolition of the church, the bus disappeared until it was rediscovered on the walls of penitentiary of Civita Castellana near Rome. See text. All right, so now let's get um, this other book. Oh, my bad, y'all. Tell them the title and give them the author. Cesare Borgia, His Life and Times by Sarah Bradford. Okay, so this is talking about the cat in question who posed for this uh, bust of Christ, this fake bust of Christ. 
is going to give you a little bit of his background and his history. So we're going right here. Either Cesare or nothing was the motto of Cesare Borgia, whose name has long been synonymous with evil. Almost five centuries. His name is synonymous with what? With evil. So this is the cat that posed for not just this uh, false image bust of Christ, but he also posed for the pictures that we see this day and age of supposedly the Messiah, but he's not. And this man who they chose to represent our Savior, Christ, what did they say? What did they say about him? Whose name has long been synonymous with evil. Evil. Read. Almost five centuries have passed since his death, yet his reputation still casts a sinister shadow. He stands accused of treachery, cruelty, rape, incest, and especially murder. Here's the proof right here, y'all. I know you probably heard Israel uh, say it about Caesar Borgia or Chesare Borgias, about he was a murderer and he had intercourse with his sister, Lucretia. Here's the proof. See, we don't just be talking. We actually research stuff. We actually got facts on deck. Read. Assassination by poison, the deadly white powder concealed in the jeweled ring or by the midnight band of bravos lurking in the alleys of Renaissance Rome. Yet the real Cesare Borgia was a fascinating figure in the mold of the great Shakespearean hero. During the brief space of time in which he occupied the stage, he shocked and stunned his contemporaries by the loftiness of his ambitions, the boldness and daring of their execution. His rise to fame was meteoric, uh, born the illegitimate son of a Spanish cardinal who became Pope Alexander VI. See that? They say he was illegitimate. <laughs> and you know what that means for Esau. It just means that he, he dipped out. He had a mistress. He had a side piece, which it said that in the pillory. So uh, jump to page 185 of that book right there. 185? Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, y'all. Wait a minute. Mm. Let me see it. Mm-hmm. It might be this. I don't think it's a page 185 in it, but look at it real quick. Mm-mm. It's not. Mm-hmm. Hold on, y'all. I got the page number wrong. I'm coming, y'all. I'm coming. I know this is not it. Let me find what I wanted real quick, y'all. Here it is right here. It's actually, what did I say? Ted 185. Yeah, this is Ted 185. So, uh, read, oh, yeah, read that part right there. Cesare, three portrait, 
So this is Cesare, also known as Caesar. Caesar. Caesar Bogier. Go ahead. Three portrait sketches by Leonardo da Vinci. So this is three portrait sketches um, that Leonardo da Vinci uh, Ex- did of uh, Cesare or Caesar Bogier. Read. Executed during the period in which Leonardo worked as his chief engineer and architect from the summer of 1502 until about the end of January 1503. So he was, he was uh, Leonardo da Vinci was. Uh, Caesar Borgia's or Cesare Borgia's architect and his engineer and his artist. He was his artist. He's a sketch artist. So when you see brothers say, oh, yeah, uh, Caesar Borgia posed for the fake image of Christ and Leonardo da Vinci painted it, then it's, it's accurate. Like I said, man, we don't be making stuff up. We got facts. All right, now I'll go back to the, the uh, book, The Pillory. Mm-hmm. Uh, page 28. Hope y'all still with me. I've transitioned over to the topic at hand. Mm-hmm. All right, where we at? In the pillory, page 28. Cesare Borgia. Cesare, as he grew to manhood, developed a craze for seeing himself immortalized in marble and on canvas. So he was obsessed with seeing himself immortalized on pictures and sculptures. Read. He was possessed of the notion that he resembled the Savior. He, he was possessed with the notion that he looked like Christ, our Savior. Read on. In this same strange annex of the French National Church, to which I have just alluded, there is a there found a bust of the Savior for which Cesare furnished the model. Right. We just read about that. We got the picture from the same book. He's, and he said he furnished the model. I mean, he modeled for the false image of Christ. Read. In the rare photographs still existing of this bust, one may read the legend. Bust of San Salvatore in Termis, supposed to be that of Cesare Borgia. What does that mean, San Salvador? Like Savior. It sounds like Salvador, like, like El Salvador, right? Like yeah, like salvation. Okay. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Uh let's go to Romans now, chapter one. <clears throat> so this is the cat who posed for the false image of Christ that your big mama probably had hanging up in her house, your granny, your Thea. I know my granny did. Devin, if you're on here listening, I know you remember Granny had that uh, picture hanging up when we stayed in the courts on her wall. I remember that picture as a little boy, man. It was um, it was the picture she had, and then she had a, a big, and I don't know if y'all remember these. They were real popular back in the, uh, the 60s and the 70s, the 70s really. But they were pictures that looked like, um, it looked like rugs. And I think it might have been like a tapestry. Action. Yeah, like tapestry. It's like a rug, but it would it'd be hang, you can hang it on your wall, man. Yeah, I know. I know you remember that. I know you remember that. Your grandmama had one too, I bet, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, but that's who posed for it, y'all. And a lot of people, a lot of us, still have a lot of our relatives still have those pictures hanging up. In their cribs. Mm-hmm. 
man, I hope my uh my phone real low. Yeah, no doubt. I remember that picture distinctively, man. Uh, the the false image of Christ, the Last Supper. I remember that one also. The one with his arms spread, with the scar. Yep, that one. Yep, I remember all them pictures, man. And we finding out who posed for that image. So that ain't Christ, y'all. And we already got his descriptions out of out of Revelation chapter one. Go back and check the show out from last week. So let's get uh, Romans chapter one, and um, I don't want to go. Let's get verse twenty five. Then we're gonna jump. Romans one and twenty five. Mm-hmm. Who changed the truth of God into a lie? So we already got the answer. Who changed the truth, the real depiction of Christ? Who changed it into a lie? It was. Caesar Borgia under his father, Pope Alexander VI of Rome, the papal church, the Catholic church, which is the universal church, y'all. I don't know if y'all knew that. That's the word Catholic means. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your mama had that hangable rug, too. Man, everybody remember that. <laughs> hey, we tell them our age, though. Right? The rest of us had a picture. Uh, read that again. Romans one and twenty, verse. I'm sorry, chapter one, verse twenty-five. Who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever? Amen. Who changed that truth, man, and got everybody in the world praying to this murderous white dude, this hippie-looking white dude, and then our people. Wondering why the, our prayers ain't, ain't being heard Why ain't nothing happening Which has made our people give up Oh, ain't no God You, you see, you see the, 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 the trouble the, the danger that they've caused In putting this image up And you hear uh, dumb I'm trying to watch my French, y'all You hear dumb people say Color don't matter The hell it don't if color didn't matter, if color doesn't matter, why would they put this image up? Like I said, you had our people crying and praying for centuries to this white murderous hippie dude, wondering why their prayers don't come come true or nothing happens, and then they get discouraged and say, well, it ain't no God. They become atheists, which separates us even more so from the Most High, not knowing that our Savior looks like you and I. Jump up to verse 23. Romans 1 and 23. And change the glory of the incorruptible God into an oh. image made like to corruptible man. They changed the image of, of Yahweh Shai being uncorruptible to a corruptible man. It says, and to birth into four-footed beasts and creeping things. I hope y'all seeing this, man. It's, it's in the scriptures. We ain't making this stuff up. These things actually happen. They have changed the image. And not just Christ, because you don't stop with Christ. If Christ was white and he the king of the Jews, then I guess the, all the other Jews are white too. Come on, man. Like I said, a lot of us, we want the picture book. 
We don't want the book you got to read through because you know niggas hate reading. Hate reading. That's the popular term. You want to hide something from a nigga, put it where? In a book. Ain't going to read. Our attention spans ain't long. Hell, why do you think... <laughs> Why do you think we only do two-hour shows? Well, I do anyway. I don't know if Mishaba's still doing two hours. This is why, because our attention spans are short. <laughs> That's God's honest truth, man. If we did three, four-hour classes, man, would nobody be tuning in? <laughs> would nobody be listening? All right. So let's go to Matthew chapter 2. So that was us finishing up on the false image of Christ and where it came from, y'all. Now we're going to jump into these falsified people. Let's go all the way to where it started, the beginning, y'all. So let's go to Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to read verse 1. Matthew 2, verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. The days of who? Herod the king. The days of Herod the king. Read. Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. All right. Herod the king. Matter of fact, I put it up. We need to, we need to get it. Pull the iPad back out. I don't know why I put it up. Sure. <clears throat> Hold on, y'all. Give me just a second. I apologize. I think I got it in here. Get out of there. Get out of that one. And let's go here. Sorry about that, y'all. Got it coming up, though. Got it coming up right here. All right, so read this for me. So what you read from? From Wikipedia, the Herodian dynasty. Now, before y'all start, yes, I do. Use Wikipedia as a reliable source of information. And y'all about to find out because <laughs> I got other sources. So the reason I'm going here, it says in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king. So now we're covering who Herod is. So Herod came from the Herodian dynasty. So read this. The Herodian dynasty was a royal dynasty of Idumean or Edomite descent. descent. He was what? Edomite descent. He was a what? Edomite. Herod was an Edomite. But remember, he was king of Judea or king of Judah. Hmm, scratch your head on that one, right? We're going to get to that. Read on. Ruling the Herodian kingdom and later the Herodian tetrarchy as a vassal state of the Roman Empire. The Herodian dynasty began with Herod the Great, who assumed the throne of Judea with Roman support, bringing down the century-long Hasmonean kingdom. The Hasmonean kingdom. We're going to get into that also, Read. His kingdom lasted until his death in 4 BCE. 
when it was divided between his sons as a tetrarchy, which lasted for about 10 years. All right. So let's jump now. Let's get um... – I want to go there. Yeah. Let's get to Josephus. Let's do that. No, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. Let me see it. We still need a Josephus, so grab a Josephus real quick. Okay. Uh, and we're going to page um, mm-hmm. hold off on that Hold on for a second, y'all. Let's go to, uh, let's do first Maccabees. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. So, all right, y'all. We're going to go to first Maccabees chapter 16. And we'll start with one. Maccabees. And the Apostle, chapter 16. And verse 1, then came up John from Gazara and told Simon, his father, what Sendebius had done. So uh, we're reading about John, who is also known as John Hycranus, all right? This was Simon's son, and Simon was one of the Maccabean, Maccabees, uh, Maccabean brothers, his brother was uh, Judas, but by this time he was dead. So we're reading about him now and his wars that he had fought against the um, Sir Lucius dynasty uh, by him fighting um, Antiochus. So read it again from the top. Then came up John from Gazara and told Simon, his father, what Sendavius had done. Mm-hmm. We'll read the verse 3 and then we'll jump. Okay. Wherefore, Simon called his two eldest sons, Judas and John, and said unto them, I and my brethren and my father's house have ever from our youth unto this day fought against the enemies of Israel, and things have prospered so well in our hands that we have delivered Israel oftentimes. Verse 3, But now I am old, and ye, by God's mercy, are of a sufficient age be ye instead of me and my brother and go and fight for our nation. So this is uh, Simon handing the reins over to his two sons, John Hycranus, and what was the other son's name? Judas. Judas, handing the reins over to them. Because remember, this is where we get the story of, of uh, Hanukkah from, y'all, or the Feast of Dedication, or the, also known as the Feast of Lights. This is where we get it from because him and his brother, like I said, Judas, have fought many wars against the um, Seleucid dynasty. And now he's handing over the reins to his sons to continue to fight for our nation and for our people because we were almost 
uh, to the point of extinction under the Sir Lucius uh, dynasty, man. And the help from heaven be with you. All right, that was verse what? Three. All right, now down, jump down to verse 9. Verse 9. At that time was Judas, John's brother, wounded. But John still followed after them until he came to Cedron, which Sendavius had built. So they fled even unto the towers in the fields of Azotus. Wherefore, he burned it with fire, so that there were slain of them about 2,000 men. Afterward, he returned into the land of Judea in peace. Verse 11, moreover, in the plain of Jericho was Ptolemus, the son of Abubus made captain, and he had abundance of silver and gold, for he was the high priest's son-in-law. So he was the high priest's son-in-law. Now, these are Israelites, y'all, that we're talking about. Read on. Wherefore, his heart being lifted up, he thought to get the country to himself, and thereupon consulted deceitfully against Simon and his sons to destroy them. So he issued a plot to kill Simon and his sons because he wanted their position. Now Simon was visiting the cities that were in the country and taking care for the good ordering of them at which time he came down himself to Jericho with his sons. And you see, this was a leader involved in everything he was doing as far as the nation and the people to make sure that the people were still in care of, man. The Maccabees were some bad brothers, y'all. If y'all haven't had the opportunity to read about the Maccabees, I suggest y'all go back, man, and read the stories. And keeping in mind that uh, when you read First Maccabees, uh, it's basically a, a recap of Second Maccabees. And when you, when you start reading, it'll make sense to you. But uh, go ahead, read. With his sons, Mattathias and Judas, in the hundred threescore and seventeenth year, in the eleventh month, called Sabbat, mm-hmm. were the son of Abubas receiving them deceitfully into a little hold called Dokas, which he had built, made them a great banquet, howbeit he had hid men there. So when Simon and his sons had drunk largely, the so, so he invited them to a banquet, and then he had men there waiting to assassinate them. Read on. Ptolemy and his son, his men rose up and took their weapons and came upon Simon into the banqueting place and slew slew him and his two sons and certain of his servants. Ain't that some you kill somebody right after they get through eating, man? That's, that's treacherous as hell. It reminds me of uh, the Red Wedding off of uh, Game, of Game of Thrones. We see where they get it from, though, right? Not original. Read on. Verse 17, in which doing he committed a great treachery and recompensed evil for good. Then Ptolemy wrote these things and sent to the king that he should send him and host to aid him, and he would deliver him the country and cities. He sent others also to Gazara to kill John, and unto the tribunes he sent letters to come unto him. Now, when he says he sent this stuff to the king, he was sending this stuff to the Greek king because so, he, he wanted to take over the city. And remember, this was an Israelite, y'all. But us, during this time, we would take on these Greek names because we were Hellenized. So this is basically a sellout name. Read on. He sent letters to come unto him that he might give them silver and gold and rewards. And others he sent to take Jerusalem and the mountain of the temple, 
Now one had run afore to Gazara and told John that his father and brethren were slain. Quoth he, Ptolemy had sent to slay thee also. So word got back how this Ptolemy sellout nigga had John's family murked. Read. Hereof, when he heard, he was sore astonished. So he laid hands on them that were come to destroy him and slew them. So he killed them. Read. For he knew that they sought to make him away. As concerning the rest of the acts of John and his wars and worthy deeds, which he did, and the building of the walls, which he made, and his doings, behold, these are written in the chronicles of his priesthood from the time he was made high priest after his father. So I had to get that before we went here. So we're going now to the JewishEncyclopedia.com so to get some more information on who the brother we just read about in the Apocrypha in 2nd Maccabee or 1st Maccabee named John. All right, so read this right here. From JewishEncyclopedia.com, Hypranius, John the first, high priest, prince of the Hasmonean family. So he's from the Hasmonean family. Now, remember we read earlier, Earlier about the uh, the Herodian dynasty, and I don't know if we got to the part where it talked about how Herod wiped out the Hasmonean dynasty. If we didn't get there, we'll go back and get it. But that's exactly what he did. But let's get some more information on John, who was also known as John Hyprenus, Simon's son. Read. Born about 175, died 104. He was a wise and just ruler and a skillful warrior. As a young man, he distinguished himself as a general in the war against the Syrian general, Sendavius, whom he defeated. That John was given the surname Hyrcanus on account of this victory is a tradition to which Gross and others attribute historical significance. So this is history, y'all. So the Bible is not a fairy tale book. These are accurate accounts. Read on. When his father, Simon Maccabeus, was assassinated at Jericho by his son-in-law, Ptolemy. We just read that out of the Apocrypha. Read. John succeeded in escaping from those sent by Ptolemy to murder him also. From Gadara, where he lived at that time, John hastened to Jerusalem, where the people gladly received him as Simon's successor. He never assumed the title of king, being content with that of high priest. All right, I'm going to get you to stop right there. Now let's go to the Josephus. We're going to go to book, thir- thir- book 13, chapter 9, paragraph 1. It should be highlighted. So we got who John Hycranus was out of uh, the Apocrypha. We got it from the Jewish Encyclopedia. Now let's get what Josephus said about the same brother. Stay with me, y'all. I'm bringing all this information out to get to a point. I'm about to drop a bomb. Read. The Antiquities of the Jews, Book 13, Chapter 9, Paragraph 1. That's it. How after the death of Antiochus, Hyrcanus made an expedition against Syria and made a league with the Romans concerning the death of King Demetrius and Alexander. But when Hyrcanus heard of the death of Antiochus. Now, when it says the crazy, talking about John, talking about John, Simon's son, same dude, read. He presently made an expedition against the cities of Syria, 
hoping to find them destitute of fighting men, and of such as were able to defend them. However, it was not till the sixth month that he took Medaba, and that not without the greatest distress of his army. After this, he took Samega and the neighboring places, and besides the Shechem and Jerizim. Now, this is after his, his, uh, his, his brother and his father's dead. He's going on to conquer, to, to claim, reclaim all this territory that was took from us. He's getting it back right now. This is his conquest. Read. And the nation of the Cuthians, who dwelt at the temple, which resembles that temple which was at Jerusalem, and which Alexander permitted San Balat, the general of his army, to build for the sake of Manasseh, who was son-in-law to Jedua, the high priest. As we have formerly related, which temple was now deserted 200 years after it was built. Hyrcanus took also Dora and Marissa, cities of Idumea. Cities of who? Idumea. He took these Idumean cities or these Edomite cities, read. And subdued all the Idumeans, permitted them to. He subdued them. He locked them up. He put them in restraints. Read. And permitted them to stay in that country if they would circumcise their genitals. Now, he said. He permitted them to stay if they would circumcise their genitals. Now, this circumcision goes all the way back to our forefather Abraham. You can read about it in Genesis, the 17th chapter, which was a token of the covenant that the Most High made between us and him. So we kept that going. That was the law. And now John Hyncranus is telling these Idumeans that they can stay in the land if they circumcise themselves like us. Read. And make use of the laws of the Jews. And keep the, our laws. Read. And they were so desirous of living in the country of their forefathers. They wanted to stay. That they submitted to the use of circumcision and the rest of the Jewish ways of living. At which time, therefore, this befell them that they were hereafter no other than Jews. Oh, so he's saying is this is when they were converts. This was the forced conversion of the Edomites to become like the Jews, henceforth Jewish. Not the actual Jews, but ish, like them. We kind of sort of like them. So John Hycranus forced those Edomites to become like us. All right. So let that go. Keep it close. We're going back to it. And we're going to read this book. I brought it out last week. I'm going to bring it out again, a lot of it, in fact, this week. So tell them the title and give them the author. Who is Esau Edom? By Charles A. Wiseman. White dude. He wrote this. Let's go to page seven. Page seven. The Nabathians now occupied Mount Seir. No. The Nabians or the Nabakians, these are the Arabs. And by support, he has a book on this. <laughs> the Nabians, they were the Arabs. What they basically did was kick the Edomites out of the, the rocks that they had proclaimed. Matter of fact, I forget the name of the damn uh, mountain they got, but it's like a tourist attraction where they have, it's a mountain and it's got houses and homes built inside of the mountain. That's where they was living at. 
but the Arabs kicked them out of there. This is what it's talking about. Read that part again. The Nabathians now occupied Mount Seir, and the Edomites were driven into the old territory of Judah. And so they was driven down into our territory. And it says, remember Judah, where the Jews was. And this was where John Hycranus had to reclaim and kick them out. But read on. The Maccabean family, a remnant of the true Judites, had ruled Judea from 166 to 37 B.C. And under Judas Maccabee, First uh, Maccabees 5 and 3, recaptured the city of Hebron from the Edomites in 164 B.C. During the time of John Hyrcanus, 135 to 105 B.C., the nephew of Judas, the Judites were again faced with the hostility of the Idumeans. Hyrcanus confronted the Edomites, causing a decisive change in the relations between the two factions. He said decisive, and he said this word decisive for a reason, because like we read in Josephus, that this forced conversion would eventually come back and harm us. Read on. John Hyrcanus conquered the whole of Edom and undertook the forced conversion of its inhabitants to Judaism. Y'all see that? This was the forced conversion. So you ask, where did these Edomites get the idea that they the true Jews? This is where it all started. Reference, Josephus, Antiquities of the Jews, 13, Chapter 9, Paragraph 1. Which we just read, which also proves what? That Josephus is a reliable source of historical information. So this is another source saying the exact same thing. We got three sources all saying the same thing. So guess what? It must be true. Three. Thenceforth, the Edomites became a section of the Jewish people. Became a section of the Jewish people. <laughs> read on. Thus, at this juncture of time. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Let me see if I want you to read that part. Yeah, go ahead. Read the rest of it. Thus, at this juncture of time, the Edomites were then incorporated with the Jewish nation. They were what? Then incorporated. Incorporated. Not born into. Incorporated. They say that they're Shemitic, and they are. Their forefather was Shem, but their forefather was not Jacob. They, their lineage goes like this. Abraham, Isaac, Esau. That's their lineage. Our lineage is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Read on. The Edomites were then incorporated with the Jewish nation, and their country was called by the Greeks and Romans, Idumea. Can't make this stuff up. Read. But the tide turned in favor of the Edomite faction when Julius Caesar made Antipater an Edomite procurator. So, whoa, whoa, we can't just read over that. Read that part again. But the tide turned in favor of the Edomite the faction. The tide turned in favor of the Edomites. So this forced conversion came back to bite us in the butt. So Julius Caesar read. When Julius Caesar made Antipater an Edomite procurator of Judea in 47 B.C. So he made Antipater a procurator, basically meaning he gave the dominion and rulership to this Edomite over Judea. I hope everybody's seeing this. Read on. 
When Antipater was killed four years later, his son Herod gained his son who? Herod. We just read about him in Matthew chapter two. I hope everybody's still with me. Read on. Gained power but was rejected by the Judites. He was what? Rejected by the Judites. Now ask yourself, why was he rejected? Because he did not come from Israelite stock, and they knew this. He was a nation. He was an Edomite posing as a Jew. That's why he was rejected. Read. Herod shrewdly gained the support of Rome. But he had the Romans on his side. Now, this is a lot of history, y'all, and I'm, I'm giving a crash course, but we eventually had a league with the Romans. You can read about it in the book of Maccabees, which we uh, got the help of the Romans to help us fight the Greeks. But the Romans eventually turned on us and put this Edomite over us. You know how Edomites do. You make a deal with them. Never make a deal with the devil, man. Real? With a Roman army at his heels, he returned to Palestine. And after a six-month siege, he captured Jerusalem and became king of Judea. He became what? King of Judea. This is Herod became king of Judea, which goes right along what we just read in Matthew chapter 2. See, people read the Bible like it's a damn religious book, not understanding it's a book of history. So you, if you don't know the history, then you know, don't know the proper context of what you're reading. In 37 B.C. Now, hold on for a second. Let me take a, a quick break, y'all. All All right, we back, we back. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, let's get, before we read on in this book, let's get to Josephus, 
page 376. I'm going to give you all the book and chapter in a minute. Okay. So we're in Josephus, book 14, uh, chapter 9, paragraph 3. Read that. But now the principal men among the Jews, when they saw Antipater. Uh-huh. Now saw who? Antipater. The same dude we just read about in this book, who is Esau, who is Edom. This is talking about him, Antipater. This was Herod's father, the dude that had been given uh, rulership over Judea. Read. When they saw Antipater and his sons to grow so much in the goodwill the nation bare to them, and in the revenues which they received out of Judea. Now, this is what was going on. The Israelites saw how Herod and his family was coming up. Read. How they was getting all the proceeds of that we should have been getting. Read. So much in the goodwill the nation bare to them, and in the revenues which they received out of Judea and out of Hyrcanus's own wealth, they became ill-disposed to him. They was mad. We was looking at him like, man, what are you doing? Why, why, why are these Edomites getting all our money and getting all the benefits we're supposed to be getting? Read. For indeed, Antipater had contracted a friendship with the Roman emperors, and when he had prevailed with Hyrcanus to send them money. Now, he- this Hyrcanus that is talking about is the second, John Hyrcanus the second. They ain't talking about John Hyrcanus the first. He's talking about his son. To send the money, he took it to himself and purloined the present intended and sent it as if it were his own and not Hyrcanus' gift to them. So what Antipater was doing was he wow. sent the money to Rome and acting like he sent the money instead of Hyrcanus. Read. Hyrcanus, Hyrcanus heard of this, this his management but took no care about it. He didn't even trip off of it. Read. He rather was very glad of it, but the chief men of the Jews were therefore in fear because they... So it said he was glad of it. You see how his son went off? You know, and I was talking about this too in Sabbath class because, you know, um, it was a sister that was, you know, talking about Job and his children and how his children went. They didn't go off and whatnot. And I was just saying that uh, we're, we'd be really at a misconception thinking just because uh, we got the book, or we read about these holy men in the book and the, the great things they did for our nation and for our people, that their kids going to be righteous like them. And that don't be the case, y'all. That really does not be the case. We need to stop being in denial, man. Even our children. Our children ain't going to come out. They ain't going to be like us. They ain't going to be uh, fighting for the most high, honoring the most high. And that's, that's a sad reality of it, y'all. Even though they be raised in it, our children can go left. Like John Hycranus' son went left. Back to the point. Read. But the chief men of the Jews were therefore in fear because they saw that Herod was a violent and bold man. They were scared of this dude. Read. And very desirous of acting tyrannically. So they came to Hyrcanus and now accused Antipater openly and said unto him. So the brothers, the Jews, Put him on blast in front of Hycranus, and they said this in the open. Read and said to him, "How long will thou be quiet under such actions as are now done? How long are you going to not say nothing about what this dude and his family doing to our nation? 
Read. Or dost thou not see that Antipater and his sons have already seized upon the government? Don't you see they're already in power? Read. And that it is only the name of a king which is given thee? You're only a king in name only. <laughs> Read. But, they, but, but these Edomites got all the power. This is what they were saying. Read on. But do not thou suffer these things to be hidden from thee? Nor do thou think to escape danger by being so careless of thyself and of thy kingdom. So you think this ain't a go, going to affect you? You tripping. We don't. For Antipater and his sons are not now stewards of thine affairs. Do not thou deceive thyself with such a notion. They are evidently absolute lords. They're lords over you. Read. For Herod, Antipater's son, hath slain Hezekiah and those that were with him, and hath thereby transgressed our law, which hath forbidden to slay any man, even though he were a wicked man, unless he had been first condemned to suffer death by the Sanhedrin. So the Sanhedrin was a council of um, priests, of, uh, I'm sorry, Pharisees and Sadducees was a council. So you couldn't do nothing without counsel. So these Edomites had killed some Israelites. Herod killed some some Israelites, and and it was no it was no trial or nothing. Hezekiah from no okay different different okay. Hezekiah different time okay. real. Yet hath he been so insolent as to do this, and that without any authority from thee. He didn't got no permission from you, but he did it anyway. Now jump up and read the other highlighted part. Okay. So, so what, what ended up happening, we're going to read all the story, but they eventually had put Herod on trial. And okay. this was the aftermath of the trial. Antiquities of the Jews, Book 14, Chapter 9, Paragraph 4, in the middle. Which epistle of his was the occasion of Hyrcanus delivering Herod from suffering any harm from the Sanhedrin? For he loved him. He, he did what? Matter of fact, read up a little bit. Read it in context. Okay. Line 170, however, Sextus Caesar, president of Syria, wrote to Hyrcanus and desired him to clear Herod and dismiss him at his trial and was threatened and threatened him beforehand if he did not do it. Huh? See how, how they had control? He was king, name, king in name only. We read that, right? Read. Which epistle of his was the occasion of Hyrcanus delivering Herod from suffering any harm from the Sanhedrin, for he loved him as his own son. He what? He loved him as his own son. Hycranus loved this dude, Herod, like he was one of his own sons. Was that Sextus Caesar, the president of Syria, who loved him? as? Because they're talking about his letter that he wrote. No. So what, what happened was uh, Antipater ended up being John Hycranus II. He was his counselor, so to speak. So they kind of came up together. So he watched Herod as a boy grow up and, I guess, befriended him and thought he was a, uh, a, a, he was a part of the family. Because remember, we already read how he didn't have a problem with what uh, Herod was doing anyway. So he loved this dude like he was one of his sons. Read on. But when Herod stood before the Sanhedrin with his body of men about him, he affrighted them all, and no one of his former accusers durst after that 
bring any charge against him. See how bold this Edomite was? He was proud. Read. But there was a deep silence, and nobody knew what was to be done. You, you finished the highlight part? Mm-hmm. Now jump down to the other highlights. Line 174. Yet do not I make this complaint against Herod himself. Now, it was one brother who stood up. Matter of fact, can you get it? You find it? Read it in context. When affairs stood thus, one whose name was Timaeus. Yes, it. A righteous man he was, and for what, for that reason above all fear, rose up and said, O you that are assessors with me, and O thou that art our king, I neither have ever myself known such a case, nor do I suppose that any one of you can name its parallel, that one who is called to take his trial by us ever stood in such a manner before us. He said, like, man, usually we have a trial. And people don't come in like this. Read. But everyone, whosoever he be, that comes to be tried by this Sanhedrin presents himself in a submissive manner. Submissive. Read. And like one that is in fear of himself and that endeavors to move us to compassion with his hair disheveled and in a black and mourning garment. But this admirable man, Herod, who is accused of murder, and called to answer so heavy an accusation, stands here clothed in purple, and with the hair of his head finely trimmed, with his armed men about him, if we shall condemn him by our law, he may slay us. This dude brought his bodyguards with him and was dressed to the teeth. Wow. Read. And by overbearing justice, may himself escape death. Yet do I not make this complaint against Herod himself, he is, to be sure, more concerned for himself than for the laws. But my complaint is against yourselves and your king. He said, my complaint is against all the Jews, all our people, and our king, supposed king at this time, John Hyrcanus' son, read. Who give him a license so to do. Who letting him do all this stuff. Read on. However, take you notice that God is great and that this very man whom you are, you are going to absolve and dismiss for the sake of Hyrcanus, will one day punish both you and your king himself also. Listen to what he said. One day he going to punish not just you, he said, but your king also. That king he was talking about was Christ. Read on. Nor did Timaeus mistake in any part of this prediction. For when Herod had received the kingdom... He slew all the members of this Sanhedrin. He did what? Slew all the members of this Sanhedrin. He killed all the Jews of the council. Read. And Hyrcanus himself also, excepting Simeus, for he had a great honor for him on account of his righteousness, and because when the city was afterwards besieged by Herod and Sophius, he persuaded the people to admit Herod into it and told them, that for their sins they would not be able to escape his hands, which things will be related by us in their proper places. But now, hold on. Let's see. Mm-hmm. So now let's jump back to this book, Who is Esau, Who is Edom? Mm-hmm. And I want you to pick up on page 8, the highlighted part. Okay. Herod was a shrewd and unscrupulous tyrant. Matter of fact, hold on. I'm sorry. Hold this. Jump back over there to that. 
that in, that encyclopedia. And go down to uh go up to the forced conversion. Mm-hmm. Uh, did we already read that? Not here. Man, I should have read this earlier, y'all. Mm. And you didn't want You know what? You Don't worry about it. Read this right here. From so, so we're going back to the book, Who's Esau, Who's Edom? Read. Page 8. Herod was a shrewd and unscrupulous tyrant and was despised by the Judites because he was an Idumean. He was despised by the Jews because he was a what? An Idumean. He was an Edomite. Read. And not one of their own stock. He, he, meaning he didn't come from our lineage. I hope everybody's seeing this. Read. Herod hated the people of Judah. He hated us. Read. And one of his of the leaders of the old aristocracy to eliminate any rivalry for leadership. That's the Sanhedrin we just read about in Josephus. Read. Having secured the kingship, Herod next destroyed the priestly line of Hyrcanus. You see this? He killed off all of Hycranus' lineage. Read. The last being Antigonus, who taunted Herod with his Idumean origin and asserted that the kingdom should fall on one of the royal family. So this brother was taunting him like, oh, you're Edomite. You got no right to the throne. So he was the last one that he killed. Of the Hasmonean dynasty. Read. Finally, he murdered Aristobulus, the last of the Aaronic high priests. Herod then sought to affiliate himself with the high priesthood through marrying Miriam. He affiliated himself with the high priesthood. Mm-hmm. He married uh, Miriam, and I believe she was the granddaughter of John Hycranus. So he married into the family. So this was the Edomite marrying a black woman. Read. Aristobulus's sister and the daughter of a high priest. So she was the daughter of a high priest. Um, let me see. I want you to get the rest of this. Yeah, keep reading. Herod even rebuilt the temple as it was in ruins from repeated sieges. So Herod rebuilt the temple. The temple that's in Jerusalem, he the one that's still there now, he rebuilt that. This is where you get the weeping wall from. He built that wall. That wall has nothing to do with us and our people. When you be seeing them fake Jews go over there and they be crying in front of that damn wall and do all that, that nonsense, Herod built that. that. Not us. This is the same temple that Christ was going in, throwing over the tables and stuff. That same temple. This is why he, he said the temple was going to be destroyed. This is why he destroyed it. Herod built that. That was not our temple. Got to know history, y'all. Read on. Herod even rebuilt the temple as it was in ruins from repeated seizures, part of which Herod was responsible for. He, he was responsible for the seizures in the first place. And this is the same dude. He built Masada also, y'all, the fortress. Because he was a paranoid schizophrenic. That's what they say about him. He was a madman. Go back and do some research on Herod. Read. By his attack upon the city, the temple of God became, in a sense, 
Herod's temple. Her- who? Herod's temple. See, I ain't making this stuff up. Read on. We thus find that in the years just before the time of Christ, Judea was controlled by an Edomite faction. Judea was during the time of Christ. Judea was what? Uh, controlled by an Edomite faction. The Edomites ran Judea, the Jewish people. I hope y'all, I hope y'all are really understanding this. Should have dropped the bomb on that. Read on. Who usurped the Judite name? Who did what? Usurped the Judite name. They stole our identity. What the hell are they banging on Kyrie for? Banging on Kanye for? These are facts. Read. Land. They and what? Usurped the Judite name. Stole our name. Read. Land. And stole our land. And heritage. And our her- Come on, man. Stole all this stuff. Read on. Under Hyrcanus, the Edomites were forced to be part of Judean culture, but under Herod, the Herodian faction had control over the Judean culture and way of life. Confounding the matter is the fact that some Judites had intermixed with Edomites. They had what? Intermixed with Edomites. And we still doing it. Canaanites. And still doing. We still mixing with the other nations. But what did the Most High tell us not to do? Going all the way back to Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter. Don't mix with these people. Don't make marriages with these people. He told us this countless times in the Bible. But we still did it. Read on. And other alien stock at the time they returned from the Babylonian captivity. Reference Ezra 9, 1 and 2, Nehemiah 13, 3. 23 through 25. This dude is on point, man, with his references. Um, no, no, no. Hold on. Yeah, let's go there. Let's go to Jewish Encyclopedia. Now, let's get the Jewish Encyclopedia out of the, uh, what you call it, and read that forced conversion part. So I should have read this earlier. I'm going to read it now, y'all, because there's a point I want to uh, prove someone to get to. We got a little time. From the JewishEncyclopedia.com. Forcibly convert the Edomites. Hyrcanus, who had been confirmed by the Romans in the possession of the important seaport of Joppa, subjugated other Syrian towns such as Baroa, Aleppo. He marched against the fort of Madaba on the banks of the Jordan, which had always been hostile to the Hasmoneans, and conquered it after a six-month siege. He also conquered the town of Samaya, or Samega, on the Sea of Galilee. Yeah, keep reading. Of special importance on account of its geographical position. He then proceeded against the Samaritans. Against who? The Samaritans. The Samaritans. Now remember, during the split of the kingdom, when the northern kingdom was kicked out of Israel, and we'll cover this. We have already covered it. But go back and read Second Kings, y'all. Anyway... Uh, foreigners were put in our land, which would be Samaria, in the northern part of the northern kingdom, was put there, and they didn't know how to work the land. They had lions going, eating, it, eating them alive because they know what they was doing. So what they did was they had priests come to the land and show those other nations how to please the Most High, how to please the Father. 
So those people have been learning since that time, and they were still there. This is why it's t- telling you how John Hycranus went back to capture that land in Samaria. I hope y'all understanding this. Read that part again. He then proceeded against the Samaritans who had always sided with the enemies of the Jews. They had always been against the Jews, always been against us. Against the enemies of the Jews. They're the enemies of the Jews, of us, the Samaritans. They always sided with our enemies. Sided with the enemies. Okay, got you. Now, let's get St. John chapter 4. St. John chapter 4. And we're going to start at verse 7. Brothers have been bringing this out for years, man. People are always talking about, oh, they're taking the scripture out of context. No, no, whatever. Read this. Four and one? Yep. No, seven. Four and seven. John, four and seven. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. A woman of Samaria to draw water. Now, remember the history we've already read. It talks about how John Hyrcanus had to go and try to retake Samaria because there were foreign nationalists in the land. This dates back to the time of doing the split of the kingdom. So speed it up to the time of Christ, they were still there occupying the land at this time. Read. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which she, am a woman of Samaria? Now listen to what she said. How is it that you a Jew and you ask me to give you a drink? I'm a Samaritan woman. So you see the distinction being made here? She was not an Israelite woman. She was not a Jew. Read. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. She knew this. But... These religious folk that read the Bible like a damn novel, they don't understand the historical significance behind what this lady is talking about. We do. Read. Verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Read. Verse 11. The woman saith unto him, Sir, Thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? So she didn't even understand what Christ was talking about. Christ was talking about spiritual gifts, spiritual water, that being the word. Like he tells you, St. John six sixty three, the word that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. It also tells you in St. John chapter 7, verse 38, he that believed on me, uh, as the scripture has said, out of his uh, belly shall flow uh, living water. This is what he's talking about. But she's oblivious. She don't know what the hell he's talking about. Because she ain't even from our nation. Read. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? People read right over this. She said, Art thou greater than our father Jacob? What is she doing right here, y'all? She's trying to make herself an Israelite, our father, Jacob. Jacob is not your father, lady. You've already said that you weren't a Jew in the previous verses. So how now are you trying to go back to be a Jew talking about your father, Jacob? People read right over this. Read things in context with historical references, please, people. Read. Verse 13. 
Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of, a well of water, bringing up into everlasting life. You're talking about the word once again, but she is a, it's completely over her head. Read. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. You well said that, Reed. For thou hast had five husbands. Christ said, You a hope. You had five different dudes. Read. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that ain't even your man. You just tricky. Read on. In that hast in that saidst thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Read on. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. Here she is again. Our fathers worshipped. It ain't your fathers. Your forefathers were not Jews. Your forefathers were Edomites. Read. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. Listen to what he's telling this lady. You worship, you not, you know not what. Meaning, lady, you know what the hell you're talking about. Read. We know what we worship. The we being the Israelites, the Jews. We know what we worship, but you don't know what the hell you're talking about, woman. Read. For salvation is of the Jews. He says salvation, being saved, being redeemed back to the Father, that belongs to who? The Jews. The Jews. Distinction, once again, unless you know that this lady was not what? She wasn't a Jew. She wasn't a Jew. So reading it all in historical context, now let's go back to the encyclopedia. Let's read that part again about Samaria. He then proceeded against the Samaritans who had always sided with the enemies of the Jews. They had always sided with the enemies of us. They weren't our friends. They were not our people. They were not from our nation. I hope you all seeing this. Read. He conquered Shechem, one of the most important towns of Samaria, and destroyed the temple on Mount Jerusalem. You see this? This is John Hycranus' his conquest, man, and him reclaiming the lands that were stolen from our people. All right. Uh, let's go. Here we got a little time. Stay in that article and jump down to where it says, opposes the Sanhedrin. Mm-hmm. Some talks there. Mm-hmm. Opposes the Sanhedrin. But when Hyrcanus withdrew all religious authority from the Sanhedrin, the love he had enjoyed was changed to a hatred. Now, this is talking about Hyrcanus I. So he had withdrew power from the Sanhedrin because there was some bickering going on back and forth because he himself, I believe, was brought up uh, under the Pharisees, but he also had friends of the Sadducees, and they had a disagreement over some stuff. So read that part again. But when Hyrcanus withdrew all religious authority from the Sanhedrin, 
The love he had enjoyed was changed to a hatred, which was soon openly declared. So they started hating him. At a great festival to which he invited the leaders of the Pharisees and Sadducees, he asked whether the Pharisees had any matter which they desired to bring before him. Whereupon a certain Eleazar ben Poira demanded that he should be content with the temporal power and should lay aside the diadem of the high priest. So you see how we were bickering back and forth because the, the, the Sadducees uh, and the Pharisees were Israelites. There were different sects of Israelites. No difference today than we have different camps that believe different things but all the same thing. So we were beefing back then, and because of us bickering, beefing, going back and forth, eventually the enemy creeped in, that being Antipater, took advantage of that situation. Like Christ told us in what, Matthew twelve twenty five, a kingdom divided against itself shall not stand. So this is what's going on right here. Read on. The temporal power and should lay aside the diadem of the high priest. According to another source, an old man named Judah ben Gedim is said to have declared that Hyrcanus' mother, having been held Odin by the enemy, Hyrcanus, as the son of a captive, could not legally be high priest. Now, hold on. That's the 92nd mark. Uh, keep reading. Keep reading. Let's get some more. Josephus. Antiquities of the Jews, book 13, chapter 10. Because his mama was held a hostage. Go ahead. Hyrcanus ordered an investigation, and the statement concerning his mother was proved to be untrue. He then requested the Sanhedrin to punish his traducer, but the latter was sentenced to flagellation only. So, so they brought up false accusations against him. He wanted them uh, punished. They only flagged him. They only beat him. Read on. Hyrcanus then joined the Sadducees without, however, as some assert, persecuting the Pharisees. So he joined the Pharisees. Or the Sadducees. Or, yeah, he joined, yeah, he joined the Sadducees, but he was raised under the Pharisees. Now, uh, let me see. Read this last paragraph right here. John Hyrcanus, who, as Josephus says, was endowed with three godly gifts, the temporal power, the dignity of a high priest, and the gift of prophecy died after a reign of 30 years. His death ended the power of the young Jewish kingdom. So his death ended the power of the kingdom. That's the part of the uh, So that's our time. I hope this class was very edifying. I hope you got some out of the class. You got any questions, please hit me up by text. Um, thanks for tuning in. The Water Shop will hook it up the broadcast. And until next week, Lord willing, Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to please tune in to Taza Pod. Tuesday. Taza Pod. Tuesday. Taza Pod. Tuesday. Every Tuesday. The water, y'all. Shalom. Shalom.